Hello, everybody, and welcome to Outer Rim Transmission number 76. We're here for a very special episode. It's not every day we get to talk about the premiere of a brand new Star Wars series, and certainly we've been waiting a long time to talk about Andor. So here we are, Milton, Ben, and I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, to break it down. Not one, not two, but three episodes of Andor out of the 12 episode uh, season one. We're going to talk about it. How are you guys doing today? How are you feeling? I'm good, man. Uh, just glad to be back on the podcast, ready to talk to Andor. Hopefully, this should be uh, a pretty good discussion about a pretty uh, interesting show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a, an interesting discussion. I, I'm, you know, the big thing is, I think I would say the big takeaway is I'm just glad like Star Wars is back. You know, we're back to like talking new content every week, and it's it's going to be a fun. Um, nine or ten weeks total i guess you would say yeah like ten weeks yeah yeah it definitely cuts it short a little bit um it's kind of unfortunate it's like oh it's one last week we we're talking about about andor now with three episodes coming out but hey i mean bigger you know it's just that's a stupid thing to talk about because we're talking about new star wars tonight um so we're gonna forego our usual uh things other than just to remind you guys if you are watching you can listen to us on a podcast streaming service we put up our new episodes every monday if you are listening thanks for that um you can go ahead and can watch and participate in the chat around fridays around nine o'clock we are recording actually a day early uh for a couple reasons but we are happy nonetheless to get in deep with andor so yes there's three episodes that came out and the three episodes are titled episode one casa episode two what would be me and episode three reckoning so rather than break them each down separately we're gonna basically talk about them as they were presented to us which is basically as we would like to you know clone wars fans would say this is an arc of the clone wars essentially um and this definitely feels like an arc with how episode three leaves off with a big uh rousing conclusion um we're gonna talk about it as it was presented to us when they dropped all three episodes so talking about it basically in a sense of a star wars movie with a little bit over an hour and a half of runtime here I'm going to throw it off to Milton, who said it was interesting. Um, just give us our initial thoughts, man, what you're feeling, how you're feeling after the fact of watching all three episodes. Just uh, give us a short summary of basically all that. Yeah, we'll give some some more details as we go, but just I'll pretty much give you what I said in the group chat yet, or yesterday. I was like, two episodes in, I wasn't not impressed with the show. And that was two episodes in, just to be clear. Because I just felt that the, the, the pacing was a little different. It was a little off to me. I was still having a hard time trying to follow the story slightly. But episode three, I think, culminated and brought it all together. And as you mentioned, this is an art. So I think after understanding how they're structuring the show and how it's going to be built, probably broken into different arcs, I, uh, I, I enjoyed episode three much better than I did episode two and one. So I think I think I'm gonna have to go back, watch all three, better understand where they're trying to take it to see how it all was wrapping it up just in a small arc. Like I said, the first two episodes kind of was a struggle to me. I wasn't really feeling the flashbacks, but it paid off in the third episode. And I feel like well, as we get more of those flashbacks, it's gonna help us better understand Cassian as a character. What's his motivation? Who's he looking for? There's a character that he is looking for. Um, the beginning parts of the show but 
yeah, at first I just wasn't impressed with it. But as episode three was starting to form itself, I was like, okay, I see what they're looking or what they're trying to do here. Mm. Those are really well thought out uh, sentiments about the show because I could understand what you're talking about. It was like, oh, yeah, episode one, especially episode two. Like, I usually jot down notes uh, for each episode. Um, and I wrote down a lot of notes for the first episode. And I found myself like, oh, what am I going to talk about with episode two? What was very, uh, that that stood out to me. And I, I kind of really couldn't come up with much. And then I went right into episode three. Um, but on my rewatch, I found out so much more of things that I was engaged with on that second viewing. Um, by the way, this is a spoiler-filled discussion if those of you are unsure. So go back, watch the episodes, and come join us uh, a little bit later whenever you can. I'm going to throw it over to you, Ben. Uh, first impressions, man. Yeah, I would say, you know, like I mentioned to start the show, you know, it's great Star Wars is back. It's, it's uh, I would say my first impression, actually my very first thought getting into the first episode by itself was, man, this looks... This show as a whole looks better than Kenobi did as a whole. And we're only three episodes in. I just think the visuals look better. Obviously, it wasn't shot strictly in the volume, which which helps it a ton. Um, and, yeah, I thought I thought the, the cinematography was really done really well. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting. It's like a new take on Star Wars, I guess I would say. Just because it's more, like, grounded and, you know, you're dealing with I would say more of like the character building side of Star Wars versus just like a straight up story because my my uh, like thing even with the first episode was it felt like it felt like there wasn't a lot of say story direction it was more of a character direction of like a character piece like Cassie and figuring out who he is versus us getting a concrete storyline for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well said, well said as well with you. Um, these are all great criticisms that we're bringing together. Um, I don't really have a lot of criticisms with this show, if I'm being honest, other than uh, the, the fact that we're throwing into the midst, the midst of it all. And some of the dialogue, I was just like unsure, like, okay, where's this going? And that's just the ramifications of when you're jumping into the middle of a story and you're not figuring out like, Oh, who are all these characters? They already are acting like they've already known each other for a while. We're just like the outside uh, purveyor, just like looking at these people like, okay, just what's a day in their life? Um, but I will like go back to my initial thoughts of the first like five, ten minutes of the show is like, this is unique. This feels so different for Star Wars. It feels a lot like Blade Runner, but it feels just so much like they set out for the show to be is a spy thriller. You got Cassian walking into this brothel of all places in Star Wars. I was very shocked. Like, okay, people are saying this is the HBO of uh, the most HBO show on Disney Plus. And I kind of could agree because it's like we haven't really gone to a place like that before in Star Wars, to my knowledge. And just the suggestions of things that were happening and you, you got these goons. But then... The way the music was too. Oh my gosh, that was I was hooked uh, just to the ambiance of that bar, and then just the way it's shot when he's walking out onto the causeway, and just like the the and this goes for a lot of things with this, with this show is just the focus on the characters specifically with the cinematography, like the focus on their facial expressions. Like you can literally see like into his brain, like, Oh God, these guys are trying to pick a fight with me. Like here we go. They're just the, the long lingering shot on Cassian. 
and just the 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 sheer amount of buildup multiple parts in the show um but at that moment when he just takes those guys down i was like yeah i i think this is the adult star wars show <laughs> that i've been looking for this is a show that could be along the lines of that canceled 1313 show uh or whatever the star wars underworld show where it was like yeah it's gonna be in the core side and like i got those vibes and immediately i was like i think we're gonna be on for a really a really really good ride here um and just the authenticity to Star Wars. They were f basically developing this thing for like three years, right? They're like, I remember at Celebration in Chicago back in 2019, like we got news of like, hey, K2SO is going to be in the show. And here we are, 2022, right. and we're finally getting this. But yeah, the world building for me was incredible. All the characters were great. And I was telling you guys, this is like, I'm happy that Star Wars is, is taking a bold step to step away from the nostalgia. We're not dealing with uh, Jedi. We're not dealing with, with Millennium Falcons and, and TIE Fighters just yet, at least. Um, we're at all new locations, and it doesn't feel like we're depending on things like the Joseph Campbell's um, Heroes of a Thousand Faces stuff that like gets reused a hundred times, or the stuff right. with um, Kurosawa. Like, we're not getting any of that. This is more like a modern take on Star Wars. I mean, this is the guy, Tony Gilroy, that did the uh, Bourne trilogy and a bunch more, like, more modern stuff like that. So it's cool to see Star Wars, like, hey, what would Star Wars be like if we got a show in the the, the ways that things are done these days on dramas? Um, so that really shined um, to me out for everything else. Um, so yeah, that's my opening salvo. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this show so far. So we could just go from uh, just looking at, you know, let's start with the flashbacks. I know you guys are both huge fans of the Arrowverse, and I thought about Milton specifically because I was like, oh, yep. this is exactly like Arrow. We're going back and forth to doing different things. And especially by the end of episode three, I thought they did a brilliant job of just juxtaposing his journey as a kid being picked up by uh, Marta and Clem Andor and, then, and going to another planet while, you know, Luthen Rail was taking him off world. I love that. I, I think it added so much element. And I like the fact that there's a good pacing for me, at least like, oh, we're getting a little bit of his story here, a little bit of this and, and all that. So what did you guys think about the flashbacks? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought initially I thought it was one of the weakest parts of the series thus far until, like I said, as the payoff was going, as it was progressing. No, I think, like we mentioned, Arrow is one of my favorite shows to watch. Um, I thought in that particular show, the flashbacks in the first two seasons just pick up quick and they just move the show. I just felt that this was slowing the show down for me at, at parts early on. But as again, as the show was progressing and I was starting to get a better picture, the payoff was dope. I loved how <laughs> they were showing the, the, the pretty much the vertical, you know, like seamless line of what they're trying to tell in the sense of like Cassian being found by with a Marta. Is, is that her name? Yeah. And I'll see how he's leaving with what's that guy's name. I couldn't quite catch it. Um, the, the guy that came to see him about the box. Oh, Luthan rail. I don't even know if they ever said his name. I just know his name from yeah. like the credits. Like seeing how that parallel was going. I was like, okay, he's now starting to like, Oh, you know, enter to another world by going in with this guy and a martyr brought him she he's now entering to another world i can see mm -hmm. those parallels and then pretty much it kind of tied into the conversation of he's like well how'd you steal this box he's like you know and it's it just was dope 
Yeah. I, I have to say, you know, flashbacks think will get better. I think now that I understand where they're going, mm-hmm. it's just one of the weakest parts early okay. on. Okay. And I completely understand that, man, because I was watching and I think what would have done better if they, they, I think they could have cut out like one of those flashback scenes entirely, maybe, and just tightened up the whole field. Because I feel like, I, yeah, at one point I was like, yeah, why are we watching this? And, and what makes this hard? And, and, and tell me about this, Ben. Um, did you like their approach to just having no subtitles to like whatever dialect, whatever uh, language they were using? See, I'm, I'm kind of torn on that because I feel like it's an alien species, so we're not supposed to understand it, you know, like, you know, you know, or like, you know, I mean, technically every character of this whole show is alien, even Cassian, just because, you know, they're, they're aliens to the different worlds and stuff. But, you know, um, yeah, like, I would say the different languages that were getting spoke, like, I, I would lean toward me being fine with there not being subtitles, mm-hmm. just because... I think it sets more of a, um, I don't know, it makes it more more real, more like foreign, I guess you'd yeah. say, versus us like knowing exactly what they're saying. Like, um, you know, w- like one example, I've always heard John Campia talk, talk about, like they easily, like say, Satan, Phantom Menace. Like the Phantom Menace, they could have easily not even done subtitles and just had the Nemodians talking in their native tongue and it would have made that, their whole sequences with the Nemodians a lot better. And like, mm-hmm. you know, seeing stuff like this, like, like this um, in this show with the different languages being spoken, like I feel it's fine if there's no subtitles, if you're getting a general gist of what's going on, you know, that's like how it's even in real life. Yeah. If you're sitting, if you're sitting around with someone talking and, you know, you hear people talking and like hand gesturing and things like that, you know, you can kind of get a gist of what's going on based on the context in you know, whatever you're, you know, you're dealing with. And in this case, the scenes we were in. Oh my gosh, guys, I could talk about like this entire flashback sequence for well over an hour. I really could because <laughs> there's, there, there's so much new Star Wars in this little thing. Like it reminded me of like of Avatar or something or like, it was so unique. And like, I have so many questions still like, okay, this planet um, Canary, like there is obviously like Imperial mining and all that stuff that was happening or Republic, I guess at that point. But time is public because he they yeah. talked about well, what what was yeah. interesting to me again in the third episode when he's like leave the boy she's like no I'm not gonna leave him to die he's like the Republic aircrafts are are gonna kill him on sight it's, he talked about the Republic like in a bad way yeah and I'm, and well, I'm guys thinking, I'm thinking is this well, whenever it, go ahead oh yeah I was gonna say thrown there um remember like in Rogue One they had they had alluded to Cassian's parents and like. You know the people he grew up with being separatists. So yeah, you know, continue, Milton. I'm about to say because that, that that goes back to one of my potential criticisms. I was like, I thought in the book or in the movie he mentioned like his parents since he's been in his war since he was like three or nine yeah, or something. Six. What was the age? I think he said six years old. Yeah. Now he don't look six in that. No, he looks like nine or ten. Yeah, so that's why I was like, well, where I thought he was with his parents throughout the whole time. Maybe like the Republic like wiped his family out in like a, a battle or something. But that's where to me I was like, this is kind of run off canon, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I, I I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh, me personally, at least, um, because I'm just so curious about 
like I don't know if we've gotten this in Star Wars, certainly not live action Star Wars, but like the idea of like the indigenous people on a planet like discovering like spacefaring people from another world like and reacting yeah. because episode three ben he's like looking at his reflection like he's never seen his reflection before and smashing things like yeah. like a barbarian hey, like out. this was like holy crap like he's actually like never seen any of this like when we first see him walk past the mining thing he's looking like in all because i guess he's like a new initiate initiate to like their pillaging or whatever they do so it was a really effective way to not have the subtitles and just to kind of go on his journey because you could see like um a lot so much of star wars it could be a silent film like you're saying about you don't need dialogue you can understand what's happening on the screen because the characters are represented so well with with just their choice of gestures and things and 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 acting and and all that so for me i thought this was such a cool aspect of star wars that i haven't seen before it was like oh it's like looking through his eyes of like entering civilization for the first time Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just to throw out there as well, like, uh, about the whole, like, age thing, just to, um, just to throw, throw out there, you know, Cassian technically in this series is only, like, 21 years old, and, Die you know, Diego Luna is, like, 40, so, you know, the age thing doesn't bother me too much. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the whole, uh, like you said, going on, like, the journey with him, like, through the mining thing and, and all of that, I thought that was um, pretty interesting. It was... It was... I guess my interpretation, I guess I didn't see, you know, I'm not sure, like, uh, I, I haven't really looked into Cassian's backstory in canon much, like, at all. So, um, you know, for me, it was, like, more of a surprise seeing him grow up in, like, almost like a native area, you know, like, not being around well, that that's, technology that's and, like, new, that sort yeah. of stuff. That was, a, that was a total new concept, which I liked because, you know, um, new concepts like that, I think, are interesting to include in star wars if they're done i think it was done solidly again like you both said though the the the, the flashbacks early on like episodes one and two are pretty slow are pretty uh, almost you know you could have chopped them down a little bit the third episode i thought they did a pretty good job or yeah. the, uh, the flashbacks yeah so so moving away from the flashbacks let's talk about the titular character cassian andor himself let's talk about uh, just what we thought about Diego Luna's performance, what we thought about his journey so far, where we see him going. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one off. I, I, I know I watched these episodes twice now. Um, I watched them all like again the same day because I was like, I gotta watch this again. I feel like I have a new uh, discovery after watching episode three, and I did. I had a much better experience um, picking up on some more details. But I like seeing like Cassian in the spot where again we pick up with him. He's already established on Farrakh. He's got all these relationships. And just like that episode one, episode two, especially like he owes this guy money. Then he's like making a deal with this guy. And he's like trying to float above water because he's like trying to get off this planet. And he's trying to find his sister that was that he left behind. We see that in episode one in the flashback. All this stuff happening. It's like it's cool to see Cassian at this point where he's just kind of trying to get through life and things aren't easy he's doing what he can i'll throw it to Milton. what'd you think about the depiction of of andor at this point in his life i liked it i mean look that's probably the one the positive for sure like i just want to be very clear i actually liked the show mm -hmm. i just wasn't impressed with the first two episodes and i think as the episode went on it paid off for me but as for andor he, diego luna is this character mm -hmm. i mean you know we have ewan mcgregor we say he's obi-wan kenobi 
I don't see anyone else playing this character. He does a really good job at being, uh, he, he's kind of a scumball too, low key, like his mm-hmm. character. And and I love that because yes, we know he's going. He's a hero of the rebellion. Eventually, spoilers. Like, he's kind of a scumball, and like I can see how he has to be that way. I mean, he's a con man, low key. He's a scumball. He's <laughs> he'll kill when he needs to, protect himself. Um, I love those character moments about him. I think that Diego Luna does a really good job at playing his character. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier about some of the character stuff, some of the small moments. Even like the cantina scene while he's looking for his sister and he's going up against those, uh, I guess the military police, what they're called or whatever. Like mm-hmm. just seeing that soft moment, of him trying to figure out this whole thing with his sister, but also seeing like the desperation, also some fear mixed in with some like, hey, I, I got to do what I got to do to survive. Now I mm-hmm. love that. So I think Tony Gilroy has really hit it, you know, perfectly with how he's developing that character. Yeah, Ben. Oh yeah, I completely agree with you there. Like, I think, as you mentioned, uh, Diego Luna is for sure this character. Like, I mean, when you when you see him, you think of Cassian now. At this point, like he's totally taking taken over the character, which is great because he's done it in a good job and a no, and a real um, notable job, I would say. And then, like for this series, I would say, so far, like I think they really hit the beats of his character from Rogue One, if that would make sense. Like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like foreshadowing, you know, like what would lead to his like character being where it's at in Rogue One. I mean, I mean, yeah. he's I was, I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing, Ben. I was thinking the same yep. thing. I'm like, this is, there, there's no skipping a beat here. Like I can mm-hmm. see this is the same guy. Yep. Oh, 100%. And you know, anytime you have a, even with the same actor, you know, you have a weird, you have a chance of, of a character being off, like like for an easy example, actually, like a like a layup example is Harrison Ford in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like he, there are moments in that movie he feels like Indiana Jones, and there are moments in that movie he feels like he's just a parody of Indiana Jones, <laughs> and you know that's 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 what makes that movie really bad. And then you know in this case, like Cass or, um, Diego Luna feels like Cassian from Rogue One, which is which is good. Um, and then, you know, it's great seeing him get in, like, these positions where he's having to, like, deal with, like, worrying about being, like, caught, basically. Like, nobody's yeah. known, you know, his home planet, um, you know, knows his home planet, like, and all these, all these things that are adding up to, like, basically now he's, now he's wanted by the, I guess you would say the local police now. So, it's, a uh, it's definitely an interesting point to see where his character's going to go because like right now you know obviously he was like worried about trusting that like the guy that was like you know you know come with me blah 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 blah, blah. like that dude like Cassian's still having to worry about like trusting people like you know he's not at that point where he's trusting like the rebellion type people oh yeah it's it's definitely something that is pushing you, you guys both put it like I was watching this. I was like, "This feels like a Rogue One prequel, without a doubt." This is this is the beginning, and and we're gonna tr- you know transcend here and go further away. But you know, just the relationships he has with all these characters is bringing out his values. Like when he's talking uh, to Marta, or he's talking to Bix, or he's talking to uh, Tim, or whatever. It's like all these different characters. It just 
you get to see exactly what Cassian is at, at his core. Like you said, he's scummy. He's getting by however he can. And to me, that's just, this is what's so great about these series now is we could spend so much more time developing and understanding like where their headspace is when they make decisions that could affect in, in the future. Um, moving over to cinematography, this show definitely stood itself uh, heads over shoulders above some of the other things on Disney+. And it's because, well, they simply built an entire freaking village out there in the UK, I believe it was. And you could tell, like, I love the crowd shots. You're seeing, like, characters walk in front of the care, you know, walk in front of the the camera, obscuring uh, Cassian. And, and it's just, it feels more alive. Like, the world feels more lived in. And it feels like they just have the camera rolling at certain points when things are just happening. So I had to point that out because, uh, you know, that, that experience is like something. Um, I don't want to have this show like as a show of pointing fingers at other Disney Plus shows tonight. But like <laughs> there's been some recent uh, series that we've both like had things to talk about. No, all right. I'll just. All right. I'll. All right. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we don't want this as the whole show, but I will. I will point the fingers. I'll. I'll do the pointing. Um, Kenobi. This is my my question to to Disney to everybody at Lucasfilm doing these shows. Like, all right, we're all excited for Andor to see where this show goes and everything, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But why? I just need a question to answer from anybody at Star Wars. Why does this show in three episodes? look better than every single episode we got of Kenobi, a okay. legacy character. Like, just answer that question. That's all I need answered. D- dead ass. Because I was thinking the same. No lie. That's I was shaking my head. I, I was like... This This is the best CG slash, like, sets they've had. And and, and I, I'm, I'm throwing shade all the Star Wars shows except for Mando. Because Mando's been <laughs> on point. We, we've yeah. all had issues with, with Boba Fett's settings and all that shit like that. Like this show looks like it was actually used with a film budget. You know, uh-huh. I thought, oh, this is an actual set. I don't believe there's any volume or volume being used, and there there might be. I can't tell. You know, even the last scene of them on the speeder oh. across the field, dude, beautiful cinematography, beautiful shot. You know, and 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 that could all pro- and that probably is all CG, whatever it is. But it's like you can't tell because it looks good. It looks legit. Oh, I'm trying to. Think, there was a couple shots where I think it was a couple, couple night shots, and I'm thinking, man, like it's well lit. I can see what's in front of me. I know exactly what's happening. And I'm thinking most of these shows that when they're dark, you can't see anything. Like this is like the lighting's on point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like the wow. Like they really put money in this. Mm-hmm. You're right. Well, here, here's Obi Wan Kenobi got the here, same treatment. Miss me with that. Well, here's one to, to get me like, and that's no disrespect to Cassian as a character, but Obi Wan's the character that deserves this type of a show, this type of type of budget, type of treatment, everything. But like, even pointing to, um, you know, like you mentioned, the lighting on some of the dark stuff. Okay, for example, look at look at like the Kenobi episode, uh, the first time he encounters Vader. It's so dark, and like, sure, don't get me wrong, they they intended for it to be kind of like a scary movie vibe, but it's so dark during those scenes. You know, Obi-Wan just running behind sand piles and stuff. And, like, that was shot bad. And then you have, you know, just look at the... Compare that even to the stuff in the jungle 
on um, Cassian's home planet. Look how like beautiful that shot. Mm. And like, it's like it, it doesn't even hold a glass of water or, or whatever the saying is. It doesn't even hold anything in the wind to it to the to the Kenobi show. Like the Kenobi show is nothing in terms of like the like, Andrew show. Like, listen, yeah, the, the 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 visuals in this show again thus far is hype, and we haven't even got off planet yet. Like even I was impressed with the space. Like when they shot like the the ships, yeah. Thinking like, damn, like they, they, they got a movie budget. You know Seriously, they, they good. You yeah, because like, cause even because I know your, your boy Campia said about how like the next three episodes, like we're going off planet, we're going to go to like the Coruscant potentially, and I'm like, I can't wait for that. Yeah, that, <laughs> really? like, if, if, if we get into the rotunda. If we go oh. to Coruscant, we're seeing. I'd be like, which we're going to see the rotunda. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm saying I cannot wait to see them talking politics and what that looks like. And again, I I, I know I'm going to like this show. I think just like so, those first two episodes kind of just set me back for a second. I do like the small character moments. I do like how he's very character developing. I think some of the story is a little off. I think that will get better as the show becomes more clear. Mm-hmm. So we got to talk about one of the best aspects of this show, and and that is Morlano One, the pre-Morlano Corpos, and this awesome inclusion of some really cool aspects of Star Wars, which I didn't think I would like this much. And I'm just chomping at the bit to talk about it because it's like I always looked at the the canon and even the legends. Um, you had like the Empire that couldn't really spread everywhere. So they relied on these other groups of people that were more like planetary to kind of be like the first defense or the first criminal justice and all that kind of thing. So like, for instance, on, on, on Corellia, and this is canon, in Corellia, they have the Corsac, the Corellian security group, and they're basically in hoots with the Empire and all that kind of thing. And we finally get an aspect of that in live action uh, with these guys. And it's, it's really cool because they're like this, like, they're putting a face to... The villains in Star Wars again are not just shoving stormtroopers at us that are just going to get shot off and they look like robots, so we don't care about them. No, we get this awesome character, and his name is Cyril. Um, let me look it up. Cyril Karn. Sorry, some of these names I still don't have memorized just yet, but I will soon enough. Cyril Karn is this absolute like trash character guy that's like. He's a huge fascist, you know, all sense of the word. He's this guy that's just. He is that guy that you just love to hate, basically. And they've already made this character, me, kind of sympathetic to his calls already. In three episodes, oh, three short yeah. episodes. I that's, was like, that's holy the, crap. That's the young guy, correct? Yeah. Okay. I love the idea of this guy trying to make a name for himself, just being aggravated and, and, and failing so hard that it's like damn this guy is really messing up but you kind of feel for him because of the moments that they focus on him and well the acting of, of this actor which i you know should give him credit i'm gonna have to look that up in the meantime but i really gravitated to this character i feel like it's a he's kind of like hux a little bit but i like him more than hux already and I just feel like this aspect of Star Wars where it's like you have this subgroup that is answering to the Empire 
and it it definitely helps that they have some really cool like technology design i love again we're talking about how great the cinematography looks you're looking at their planet of uh, morlana one you're seeing it in the rain then you're seeing another part of like the security center of like these really cool monolithic looking buildings when they pull up in their ship to ferric it looks like an empire-esque design but then they have these like little pod ships so like and then their uniforms are pretty bad at like everything about these guys they like really they they flesh them out and this is one of the best things about andor is the sense of world building even though I, i'm tired of star wars going back to the old galactic civil war i'm like let's get into the high republic let's get into beyond rise of skywalker let's explore new territories we're set five years before rogue one and i still feel like this doesn't even feel like in that era sometimes it is and same thing with the star wars label you could rip the star wars label off this show and it's basically a really good drama series set in space somewhere um so i'll throw it over to you guys because I, 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 I really like this aspect of the show I think I think what I and I, I I understand what you're saying and I I get that and I agree. I think what's different about this show and the feel of it is that yes, the Empire exists. They do acknowledge it, you know, but we haven't heard anything about Jedi, Sith, uh, the Force. We haven't heard any of that talk. A lot of it has been about life, life. Mm -hmm. And when I say life, what I mean is like you're seeing how life for normal people in the universe of Star Wars. Oh, man, yeah. You know, you, you, hear, you hear about some politics stuff, uh, military stuff, you know, survival, um, making ends meet. Um, you know, like, that, I think that's what makes this show different. I think that's what makes this feel like it's a different type of Star Wars show. You may not believe we're in Star Wars, but we're in Star Wars. But we're not getting the normal pew-pew, uh, Death Star blow-up, lightsaber, you know, force. We're getting... People actually have to work. People actually have to survive. Um, we're getting police brutality. We're getting um, police taking advantage. We're getting people's homes raided. When's the last time we saw that in Star Wars? Exactly. We haven't, we haven't seen modern day problems put into Star Wars. Yeah. Yes, we, we, I mean, we kind of got that in the 70s with like, you know, versus evil, galactic empire. You know, we got some of that parallel from the 70s into Star Wars at the time, but not as real as this. We're not getting real-life problems like we're getting now. We're seeing people in real life now struggle with homelessness, with poverty, with not having enough food on the table, working at shitty jobs, working at, a, at you know what I'm saying? Like, these guys are working in factories probably making nothing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that grittiness. Mm -hmm. That's why I think what makes this show really nice. I think Tony Giroy showing us the underbelly of what Star Wars is. Mm -hmm. That's yes, why so... Different. Well, well said, well I, said. I, think, uh, I was just going to interject I think, real quick. I was just, before I forget, the, the guy the guy that plays Cyril Carr in his name is uh, Kyle Soler. Kyle Soler. So there we go. Got to give him credit for credit's due because he's going to be one of my favorite characters from the series. But go on, Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, th I think he'll end up being a really good character. Um, like you said, he's sim sim sympathetic. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, to like Milton's point... I think, uh, you know, the reason why we're so interested in some of these, like, day-to-day -day things of this show, um, you know, like you said, like, the real-life people, it's because, for the most part, when we're, uh, when, we're, when we're watching any of the Star Wars movies, you know, we're dealing with basically the governmental level of Star Wars on either side, good or bad. Because, like, if you think about it, like, 
say like the rebels, like the rebels uh, in the empire, like, you know, the empire is like your war opponent and the rebels are like the U.S. government. Like, you know, how, how often are we seeing like the behind the scenes of our U.S. government? Not too much. So like, you know, like we're, that's, that's why we're, we were only focused on basically the highest level possible of governmental structure for both good and bad guys on the movies. And now we're actually seeing how it's impacting like the day-to-day lives of people you know versus not i mean like that's one that's one great thing for example like you know we got in like the snyder verse you know we had it through man of steel batman versus superman justice league you know you have all these um things that allude and you don't even show like the everyday person like they they reference like how you know when batman and superman were fighting how much destruction it caused and damage it caused like the daily lives of people like in star wars you know you don't get like the actual impact a lot of the times anyways on like the average everyday person yeah and what i think this is gonna end up doing um is it's gonna make we're getting this lens of okay how are the everyday people affected by the empire we haven't really gotten that in star wars we got it in star wars rebels a little bit but for live action we're seeing the mature tone of it seeing how it's gonna happen we're seeing the people their day-to-day jobs we're seeing things like Bix getting, you know, slammed up against the wall with, like Milton said, police brutality, that sort of thing happening. Just crazy stuff. Just like get people getting caught in the crossfire, getting killed. Houses right. So like we this saw is, that. Yeah, I mean, we we witnessed that. Like that third episode when he sees his girl. I don't know that guy's name, but the guy that snitched Tim. on Cassian. When he sees his girlfriend chained up, mm-hmm. being like pretty much brutalized, and he's like, and we've seen this in real life. Where, where we've seen cops beating on somebody and people are filming and say, hey, knock it off. They intervene and all of a sudden they're getting beat on. They want to get shot. So we saw the same echo. which I was like, damn, like they really went that far. Like they really showed that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking that's real life. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think like, you know, because I, I my profession with my job is the child welfare social work background. We have three levels of social work, macro, micro, mezzo. This show reminds me so much of the micro side. We're seeing more individualized characters and individualized things being played out. We're seeing how Tony Giroy is seeing this show through the eyes of the people. Make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot, I'm getting a lot of that feel. Yeah, and with, with Tony Gilroy, I think he is one of the only per- people that could do this. If you look at all the filmmakers for Star Wars currently and series and everything else, they all have the nostalgia glasses that all of us would obviously have like we would be throwing in as many cool little tidbits as we could but Tony Grover has gone on record a number of times saying I'm not really a fan of Star Wars I'm just you know playing in their universe bringing in my ideals and my story points it just happens to be on planets that might be familiar with a character or two that might have been familiar um, so I think we're seeing that firsthand here with the f- first three episodes of of the power of having that happen and I know in, in many years past people would get so annoyed when they would see that news of, oh, this guy's going to be playing with the Star Wars license. It doesn't have a clue of what he's going to be doing because he doesn't really, you know, respect the subject matter per se. And I think we're seeing the effect of, they don't, the the, the filmmakers don't really have to do that because they have a a team of people that will do that for them. Like whoever the producers will be like, suggest to him, oh, let's put this alien character back here and he'll probably just be like, okay, do it. Like he's not concerned about that. He is going into the story more than anything else and and i can see that clearly here is is pretty cool well well i mean and he, so like you said you don't have to have him be just like a mega star wars 
man to like make a interesting thing because you know also that's that's a whole another discussion for another day as well like when a lot of these people say they're star wars fans is it for pr or they actually fans like say dave filoni is for example you know you know i feel like there's a difference between someone saying yeah i'm a fan versus like dave filoni who's <laughs> interest seems to be really interested in it anyways like stuff like that i mean heck look look at christopher nolan with the dark knight before that he didn't have any comic book movie experience and he came in and made you know the best arguably the best comic book movie ever in the dark knight so you know you don't have to be a um a fan of the franchise to succeed in it you just have to be competent at your job and like you said that's what he has his job is to direct and make a movie like lucasville's job is to equip him with the proper information you know to mm -hmm. go like oh here's this tidbit to put in here here's this tidbit to put in there mm -hmm. like i feel like we will you know as the series drags on like right now we're still early on in uh in the show but as it drags on we'll get into more of say the nostalgia or the more of those type of things but they're going to be included naturally in the story as like say tony Gilroy sees fit versus like them just being thrown in there for example because like for me anyways i think unless i mean depending on how the show's going like right now it's kind of not slow but like we're not you know the plot isn't advanced fully to rebels versus empire like i don't think we're going to advance to that type of stuff like really really in, into that type of stuff until like maybe like halfway through the season even like you know six mm -hmm. seven eighth episode range like i think i think we're a ways away before we get to all that oh yeah i mean we still haven't even gotten to coruscant which apparently is coming next yep. week so there's going to be a lot of backdoor dealing and the politics happening happening there but um just talking we'll continue on the, the world building stuff um just great great moments for me that really stood out is just bix hanging out with tim like you know she shows up like drunk at his place and he's just like what are you doing like there's just like so many like human reactions like you you get to see like some stuff in Star Wars where like oh crap I don't think we've ever seen people like making out about to get it on like that in Star Wars like this is like whoa okay what's happening here and then and the fact that like she's waking up and the first thing she says is I need I need some calf and that just that was a, a little nugget a little Easter egg that it's like yes they're always getting calf in the books and everything else and we finally get to hear that we get to see her drinking calf I know it's the smallest little thing but for me it's like. That's the average day worker doing that. Um, I, I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go, go on, go on. Oh, I was, I was gonna say, I like the idea of time and schedules in this show. I picked up all this on the second viewing about how you have the guy with the bells or the the, the, the big anvil thing he's hitting, and that's like signifying like the beginning of the workday and the end of the workday. And about how they're like, you know, casting's like, tomorrow I'm going to do the deal. And like, you see the ramp up of like the time based on the guy hammering and like just the, the looking at the that guys grabbing their gloves to go out in the, in, in the fields and in the, the trash field, whatever, and work and stuff like that. Like, it is so down to earth, but it is so refreshing. Because um, one of the, and I'll mention this on Twitter, one of the, um, I think he's like the lead editor for the, the Star Wars books over at Del Rey has said he never seen a story that uh, for Star Wars on on the screen that looked or that felt more like a Star Wars book. 
And I have to agree with him. Like, I felt like I was watching a Star Wars novel, like, play out on screen because you have a lot of these more minor characters doing their everyday sort of thing, filling in the gaps and making it feel like it's like, okay, this is much more character focused. So, yeah, that, 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 that was fun. You know, seeing him at the, at the, the shipyard, like, switching out this one thing, this component for another thing, the guy's walking around like, hey, where were you last night? So it's very much like a small town feel, like, everybody knows everybody and already three episodes in i'm invested with all these small minor characters and i would have been never otherwise in any other kind of show so far so oh, yeah, i agree they, with that i agree with that for sure without oh yeah definitely like 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 you mentioned chris like a lot of the world building like through the characters through the towns through the um you know the locations as a whole like you know, the police force, like, all these different things are part of, like, the world building of Star Wars. Like, one of the parts, you know, we we joked around about it to start this podcast, but, like, um, them even... So, so like, when I was watching the, the premiere, my, uh, my good friend was over here, we were watching it, and, you know, he was like, is that a... Uh, is that a brothel they're in? And I was like, nah, probably not. And then, like, two scenes later, they, met, they literally said the word brothel. I was like, what in the world? They actually put like something yeah. like that in Star Wars, like you know. So that's that's cool that it, they're giving them freedom to actually include, like even referencing that type of type of material. Verse because you, you know it's Disney, it's Star Wars, so it's play play it safe. So I was very surprised they added that in there. You know, I doubt we're getting um you know revisits back to it Game of Thrones style, but um. I do. I, I'm impressed that they actually are allowed to go there to even like reference that type of stuff. Oh yeah, it's definitely something that I would have never expected. But then again, Disney Plus does seem like it wants to expand its reach. I mean, we're getting. We said last week we're getting that What If Mature series. Uh, they put Logan and they put you know the other R-rated superhero films on there. So hey, maybe. Maybe they are, but that's a different, you know, franchise entirely. But now Star Wars is, uh, you know, it, it, it surprised me because the, the episode came on. It said TV uh, fourteen, and it said language and violence. And there goes like the Scottish guy saying shit at the end of the third episode. <laughs> I was bastards. like, oh damn, bastards and shit. I was like, okay, this is this is the furthest we've been going with this stuff, you know? Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, any last any last thoughts and words on uh, just the general world building so far in Andor, Milton? Yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm pleased with what they're trying to do. You know, I, I think as I get more into this show, I think I'll be more satisfied. It makes it makes sense that this show feels different. I mean, if, if it was the same show, I think we would all I think we'd be fine with it. But we'd kind of be kind of disappointed because we're like, all right, we've seen this before. But I'm glad that, you know, this feels like a Rogue One story, a prequel for sure. Like, this feels like this belongs in a world of Rogue One. And I say it that way because, you know, yes, Star Wars and or Rogue One connected well to New Hope. I feel like Rogue One and Andor thus far can be its own little, like, own little world or, like, own little, like, IP if you really wanted to do it that way. Does that, does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, how like the Mandal- like the Mandalverse. Yeah, it, it can be its own IP, which I think it's a good thing that they have enough separation yet similarity that ties into it. 
I'm fine with uh-huh. what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one last thing about the, the, the Corpo guys. I, I love that conversation where we first see him in the office and the one chief guy is basically like just trying to skirt everything under the rug because it's going to make him and it's going to make like his employees look better. Like, I love the fact of like this stupid, like fascist, like bureaucracy that they have going on where it's just like, yeah, we don't really care. We're just trying to get our numbers up. Like, yeah, two people died. Like, and this guy's literally standing up to his own men. Like, like, no, like those are two people that I worked with. Like, we're not just going to sweep this under the rug. So that sort of thing was like, oh man, this is, this is a cool conversation that, you know, Star Wars is at its best when it's like, you know, taking on like a little bit harder, you know, edge type of subject matter, I guess you could say. I mean, you can definitely, t- I, I took it as like, oh boy, he cares a lot, clearly, but he's trying to get ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I think he's trying to prove something because I can, I can say they're, they're doing a good job at shooting his face and how they show mm-hmm. how his, his facial features are all goofy. Like even when he gave that very awkward speech, <laughs> a speech, like how, like how, like no, er, literally I thought you might have to censor this, but the one black dude was thinking like, man, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, that's what I thought <laughs> yeah. he was thinking. Yeah. I think Ben and Chris watched that. I swear to God, he was thinking what I just said. Like, what the <laughs> F was that dude? Like, this dude ain't no leader. Like the Brit, like the Scottish guys seem more like a leader. Yeah, I, I think it, I think I think they purposely are shooting him that way because I think there's something more about this character that we don't know about. I think he's joining the rebels, man. I think they they are transparent with that, or they're telegraphing like he's he's gonna join rebels. The fact that Cassian and Luthen is just like kill him, and Cassian's like no for whatever reason he had killed the other guy out of cold blood, but he won't kill this guy for some reason. They're they're saving him for a redemption arc of some, or maybe not a redemption arc, but he's going to defect um, to the rebels at some point. It's gotta probably yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Like. They definitely kind of showed their hand a little bit with that guy because I think he's, you know, as as, you met, as we mentioned earlier when we discussed him, you know, they've, they've already put some sympathetic vibes to his character. So it's like, why wouldn't he eventually turn? And like, you know, that's, that's, that's the motif right now for a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, like characters, you know, bad, semi-bad people turning good eventually at the end. Um, so I could definitely see his character transitioning to almost like a, this could be like our agent callous, I would say like something like Uh that, you know, I I feel, I feel like he's going to have a very similar arc to agent callous. Yeah. So let's talk about the action because man, oh man, this action was freaking awesome, especially in episode three. Uh, we talked about this scene a little bit last week or the week before when we did our Andor preview of like that that snippet of like they're inside whatever the heck that was it looked like the freaking engines or something hanging and just that little firefight going on. But just in general, that last that that back half of episode three was just like off the wall. You could feel the intensity. It definitely felt more like a spy thing because the people were literally rebelling. Like, they're like, enough is enough. Like, we're going to sabotage your ship and you're going to crash into this thing in glory. And you're going to feel like you're being surrounded and they're thinking it's like, oh my gosh, they're, you know. So, so Milton, tell me what your reaction was to the carnage and everything that was happening in that third episode. Loved it. Like, it was a dope. First of all, that, that factory scene, 
with the falling engines or, or components mm-hmm. or whatever, fire. Like, I thought that was well shot. I, I Honestly, I'm sure that was some... had to have been CG. It, there's no way that's practical. <laughs> there's, there, how, how, how do you pull that off? Well, he got I mean, knocked by one of them, so it was practical. He got knocked by well, one yeah, of them. Well, I, yeah, I'm sure there's some practical effects yeah, yeah, in there, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. the way it just looked so real and i'm like wait a minute you have to control the way that stunt looks so it mm-hmm. has to be cg right yeah yeah i'm thinking i mean there could be look it was well done and complain i love the suspense it reminded me yeah. of the end it reminded me of the end of rogue one how they were climbing up the ladder to get the the the, the disc yeah. and like how that music built up for it and like just how suspenseful it was i thought this third episode's ending was was very much like that how it led up it led up it led up and then they got your payoff yes. and how they just quietly ended it with him on the speeder with the flashback and just have that parallel so i love the action some of the best action in star wars i've seen in a while yeah and it shows you right off the bat they're not afraid to kill off characters like that tim guy was in at least two episodes and yeah. they shot him dead pretty good uh and that's the that's, I don't know if it's the beauty part of having all these unknown characters, but it definitely seems like uh, they, they're they pulling no punches on this series and, and it adds up to the stakes. I mean, I know Andor's fate, but what about all these other characters? And as I said, I'm already feeling about those characters, but yeah, just by the way, I got to do a quick little Easter egg thing. The gun that Cassian has that apparently was given to him by Clem, which we know was hanged in the place his father somewhere. He was hanged. Um, that was actually the same kind of blaster that Kyle Katarn from the Dark Forces Jedi Knight Jedi Outcast video games has. So that was like, ooh, maybe Cassian will give him that gun and we'll see Kyle Katarn now. That's not happening. <laughs> But I thought that was a cool little nod to like the Dark Forces games. Like he's got like that almost like a shotgun, like handheld little little gun. But yeah, the suspense and like the way that it was edited and filmed. So like at that one point, Cassian has the blaster on the back of Cyril's head. Just like yeah, just you're you're caught basically. Or but everything going on and, and the fact that the the music was ramped up and all these citizens were just like bashing on the metal stuff just like as a warning and they're like oh they're intimidating like that was so cool seeing the people rise up just by like that they're just standing up to these people and that's their way of standing up is just like making a bunch of noise getting them their communication like all screwed up that was awesome oh yeah yeah, definitely like oh yeah I, i agree with both you guys like like the um you know, just the the buildup. I think of the action for you know, like you said, the scene with the citizens like banging on everything, the um, the scene like the factory scene. Like, I think the the lead up to these action sequences was done really really well, like in a good built up way, versus just like say jumping right into it. Like, you know, you felt the suspense, you felt the build up, um, and I really like that. And a good point that you noted too, Chris, was the whole you know, not knowing the fate of basically all the characters for the most part like you know because if this was a show i mean even talking like say about the kenobi show we knew the fate like almost every character had plot armor minus reva for the most part for kenobi um so like it's hard when you have a show like that to like build the stakes for some of the characters when you 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 know you already know where they end up 
So it's great, like, that they're introducing characters that we don't know what could happen to them. Like, heck, um, you know, the young cop guy. Like, he could he could end up, if he turns, he could still end up getting taken out, like, at the very end by one of the Imperials, like, who track him down or whatever, you know? Like, you know, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for storytelling, um, you know, through the action, through the suspense of the characters' fates, I would say, just because, you know, a lot of people, you know, actually not a lot of people, none of us know where these characters go, minus Cassian. Yeah. Um, is there any other things, topics, uh, I mean, we're keeping us to an hour, so it's very hard to just kind of concise our thoughts here. Um, <laughs> any other topics or anything else you want to jump into relating uh, to Andor before we, we jump to our final thoughts here? Um... I mean, I, I guess I just want to say, like I said, I, I think we need to, if anyone's like me initially for the first two episodes, like, was like, ugh, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about this, but then they got the payoff in episode three, I, I think it's worth the wait to at least keep watching a couple episodes, because I think the show deserves it, and I think, I think the way they present these episodes was purposely done, you know, um, and I've always said, you know, my philosophy is with these miniseries, you got You can't just show one or two or one episode. You got to show two or three, and they gave me two or three. And I think with how that particular and then Chris, you said it, arc played out, I am now going to be invested to see how this is going to now lead up. The next what nine episodes are going to be released. So mm -hmm. if you're on the fence about it, give it an opportunity, let it play out, and then make your judgment. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Like you, like you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't need three episodes of a series to really be hooked right i look at a most recent show the house of the dragons i know ben you, you love the show too that first episode that yep. pilot episode that's all you needed you watch that episode you are hooked you know exactly what's going on with the story you know what is going to happen the rest of the season yeah Andor, it could have had probably a stronger first episode um but then you also got to weigh, weigh it down that they released three episodes at once because they knew by the third one that's the arc that would that would hook you, but um, yeah. So that is worth noting. Yeah, yeah if, uh, Milton, you said it already. Just yeah, if you if you're on the fence, I think it's really worth waiting. From what I heard, um, the show gets better and better and better from people I've seen like other episodes past episode three already somehow. Yeah, so we're going to wrap this up and give our final thoughts on episodes one through three and give it a score based on, on all three all together. I will start this one off. And yeah, so much to talk about, so much to, to say. We spend a lot of the time, probably most of the time, just talking about the world building. And I think that's what a lot of people are talking about in the, in the community and the fandom right now. It's just the way it feels, the way we're getting the different characters. We're getting to see the home life of, of people. But then again, we're getting that for a reason. We're going to see how affected that life becomes when the Empire's boot steps down on them. Um, seeing characters, uh, a brand new droid, I love the brand new droid, we even talk about B2EMO, uh, got a cool human voice to an astromech, which is something we've never seen in Star Wars before. So many Easter eggs in this, um, from the Corellian Hounds, from Solo, to uh, Lugga Beast I've seen in the background from The Force Awakens, uh, to like prequel pod racer engines, it looks like they were working on. So there's a lot of fun to be had there, but just everything with the uh, the pre-Mor Corpos, the, the, the pre-ex uh, Morlano police force, all that, you know, 
that kind of stuff. And just the characters. You got uh, Bix is a really cool, strong female character that has a lot of toughness to her. You got Cyril Karn, who we spent a lot of time talking about. This guy that is kind of questioning whether what he's doing is going to be even correct after episode three. Cassian, the titular character, just seeing him trying to trying to tread water at this point of his life, just not knowing where to go, and he's getting swept up into all this. The music was fantastic. The ambiance, everything just felt so different. I got to give this a nine out of ten. Yes, as I just said before, it didn't need. It shouldn't have had three episodes to like really cement itself. So that's where I'll take a, a point off. It's like, yeah, maybe episode two could have had a little bit more action, a little bit more forward momentum as far as like a plot was concerned, but it really took that episode two to make episode three great. If that episode two didn't exist, then we wouldn't get, I wouldn't, at least the way I felt, I wouldn't feel as attached to certain characters getting killed and, and, and harmed and stuff like that. So yeah, this is up there with me, with, with Mandalorian episode one, season one. Like the, 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 the fact of this thing existing feels so much different than everything else that we got for Star Wars so far. Uh, the direction, the writing from Tony Gilroy, I, I think really stands out. I'll throw this over to Ben. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with a lot of those points, but for me, I would say, you know, the episode, all, all three episodes overall were were pretty, the, well, the first two were, like Milton said, eh, not super impressive. The third one was definitely the best. Um, and then, like for me, when it comes to these episodes, like, you know, like we, we've talked about this whole podcast, like the, the world building was done really well. It's nice getting new characters that, you know, we, we don't know the fate, so there's no plot armor. Um, and then, of course, Cassian's character journey is going to be a nice one because, you know, you know, we referenced it earlier. Like, this feels like the Cassian we know, like a prior version of the Cassian we know from Rogue One, which is great because there was that chance, you know, he could pull a Harrison Ford in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so it's good that didn't happen. Um, and then, yeah, like overall, I just think the, the quality of the show is right there with The Mandalorian. It's it's better quality mm -hmm. than Boba or Kenobi, and uh, it's, it's right there with Mando in terms of quality, I would say. So, uh, like for me... There weren't really many negatives per se. Like I just feel like there was a lot of, um, you know, the first two episodes were, were pretty slow to say the least, and I feel like it could have almost been crunched down into, say, a, a, like episode one and two could have been crunched to one episode, and then have the third episode be episode two, and then use that extra episode somewhere else in the series altogether. Like I feel like I feel like you could have just chopped chopped it way down, um, and then. In terms of music, like, for me, I think the music was all right. I don't think it was great. Like, for me, I think it was more just mid-tier. No, nothing, nothing, nothing bad, nothing spectacular. Just average average music. But, again, we gotta, we gotta grow on it. We, we gotta get more used to it and see how the beats hit later on in the series for, like, more dramatic moments than just what we've dealt with so far. And then, uh, you know, some of the new characters that were introduced have been really nice. Like, um, the Karns guy, like he's he's probably going to end up being, I feel like one of the more main type of characters through this series with Cassian as well, because I feel like we could, you know, as I mentioned, we could have an Agent Callus tracking him, tracking Cassian type situation potentially on our hands. 
which, uh, you know, that'd be cool. But for me, overall, I think the three-episode premiere was, I would say, satisfactory. Like, it's it's solid. It's kind of like this. Um, I used this analogy yesterday when I was talking to my cousin about this. You know, I, I don't think these episodes were bad. It's Think of this in terms of getting a burger. Okay, so McDonald's is your lowest-tier burger place, okay? And then you have a really high-end, expensive burger place that would be, like, a perfect score. And then to me, like, these episodes were kind of like your Applebee's. Like, your mid-tier, solid burger, you know, it's just satisfactory. So, you know, it's just a good, solid burger. And, you know, that's fine. That's fine. Like, to me, you know, you don't have to hit a home run right away. Like, it's fine. It's just satisfactory. So, for me, I would say this is probably a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10? Very fair. Uh, as far as the music, I think the music did really well with the suspense building. It, it just reminded me yeah, a lot of like a... Like, it reminded me a lot of like a spy thriller should be. Like, it's it's ramping up. Like, you're not sure what's going to happen, where this, where Andor is. Like, what's going to happen? Like, like that like complimented the action so well for me where i was like on the edge of my seat like gripped like engaged like okay things are boiling they're getting heated up like it it felt like it was coming up you know to to an explosion at that point melton um overall i thought for what this show did in the first three episodes i think it did what it needed to do i think it did what it was trying to accomplish um so I'll look at it in two points. In two points, one story, one overall comparison to the last couple of Star Wars series. So I think visually, you know, it's way better looking than all the other Star Wars shows we've had. I mean, that's just a given. Um, I, th- I think I think just how they shot it, cinematography, uh, um, character beats, I think have, are slightly or significantly better in this show. Um, Story wise, I think. Because that first two episodes in Ben's right, it probably mm-hmm. could have been all combined into one. I think those really made it. It's, I struggled with that first episode and a half. Um, overall, I, I, I thoroughly liked how it ended that particular arc. I'm looking forward to seeing more. Um, pretty much all the positive you guys said about you know, the the music, how the suspense built up, the small character beats, the visuals anticipation a lot of the differences of this show and how it doesn't feel like it's in star wars but it don't feel like it needs to be that traditional star wars so i think tony gilroy did what he was trying to do on purpose i had to score this out of 10 probably would i'd probably go 7 out of 10 because i think episode 2 really like stuck me like in my heart because i'm thinking like oh where is this going it dropped yeah, it yeah, down yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think it's a seven out of ten. Now, with that being said, I think once I rewatch it, fully understand where they're trying to take this, my score could probably go up. So you might hear about this next week when we come back. Yeah. All right. That's fair. We got a seven, a seven, and a nine. Um, so yeah, we're gonna stop it there for this week. But join us next week at our normal time of Friday at 9 o'clock. I want to thank everybody that joined us in the chat tonight. We had Chris, we had Topify, we had Ryan Johnson. Thanks, everybody, for joining in the chat. If you could do so next Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern when we go back to our normal recording slash streaming time. And again, you could listen to us on the go 
anywhere in the world simply using Spotify or Apple or any kind of podcast streaming service. We put our new episodes out on Monday mornings for your work week or whatever you do. Um, so where can the guys find you or where can the people find you and what are you up to this week, Milton and Ben? Well, I know this weekend I have, uh, unfortunately, a family reunion I have to go to on Saturday. I'm not looking forward to it because, uh, you know, those are always weird. Um, but I'll, I told my dad I'll go because he asked me. Um, but I have a family reunion on the weekend. But also there's college football. Um, I do know Saturday night my friend, I'm hanging out with Amanda, who does watch us, watching Empire Strikes Back. So you will get an update. Oh, nice week about what she thinks of that movie oh man Sunday, obviously the eagles are playing so let's go yeah they're doing pretty good from what i hear two and oh let's go <laughs> and they can follow you at milton weber seven on twitter and milton seven weber on instagram is that right that's correct my bad on not mentioning the socials you know i just get excited <laughs> when i when i hear about my eagles being two and oh sorry about your browns ben losing to the Jets last yeah. week, which really upset me because I picked the Jets to lose. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can find me um, complaining <laughs> about the Browns on Twitter um, at Real Ben Maynard and, of course, talking Star Wars there. And then you can find me on Instagram posting my uh, workouts and stuff as well at Real Ben Maynard. There you go. And you can find me talking about the High Republic Phase 2. That's right, everybody. I have put up my review for the first book of Phase 2 called Path of Deceit. I have my spoiler-free review on the channel you can check out right now, as well as this week's comics, which we had Star Wars Darth Vader, issue number 27. We had Hyperspace Stories, issue number 2. And we had the Mandalorian adaptation comic uh, for episode 3, uh, issue number 3. So... There you have it. Stay tuned for the channel for more Star Wars content coming out. As we get more into Andor, I'll be putting out more Andor companion-related videos, such as I did with Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan before that. Um, but otherwise, please subscribe to the channel. That way you'll be notified when these videos go live, as well as other videos on the channel. But that's going to do it for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor. Thank you so much for watching. This was Outer Rim Transmission number 76. May the force be with you always. End transmission.